Hello there, teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, here to hang out with you on your own schedule as your anytime piano teacher friend. The time has come, my friends, to talk about a philosophy that, like, keeps me up at night, literally, sometimes. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I consider myself to be in the business of helping students develop a lifelong love of making music. And, of course, that sounds great and noble, but... Really, in most traditional approaches to music teaching, instead of promoting that whole lifelong love thing, we sometimes end up presenting music study as like an endless checklist of skills and repertoire that students will probably never quite fully achieve. (laughs) So many of us teachers have come to a place of lifelong music making in spite of those things, right? I mean, there's something inside of us, twisted as it may be, (laughs) that loves seeking out challenges that are just beyond our reach. We put ourselves in performance situations, knowing fully well we might be amazing But also, we could quite possibly fall flat on our faces. (laughs) Yet we love what we do, and the music just won't let go of us. And students, like us, are fantastic. And if that's the only kind of student you want to teach, well, I mean, that's your call. (laughs) But on the other hand, if you want to approach your studio with a belief that music is fundamentally good for everyone, and I do believe that, then it is absolutely essential that we are helping students to celebrate their abilities today (laughs) so that they will want to keep playing tomorrow. Consider this with me. In a traditional path to musical training, we are pretty much always focusing on some kind of leveling up. You know, this begins in our early studies as we eagerly anticipate graduating to that next color of book in our method series (laughs) and, you know, learning the next scale, the next chord progression. And then as we mature into our musicianship, we start looking for benchmarks, you know, competing at certain levels of competition or learning our first complete Beethoven sonata, accomplishing technique drills at specific metronome markings, giving our first solo recital. All the while, we're looking to our teachers to continue to assign us bigger and bigger repertoire. You know, music that challenges us, that pushes us onward into deeper and deeper levels of mastery. Ever onwards and ever upwards, right? (laughs) So this is one of the big benefits of music study. To teach developing musicians that they are always capable of more. It's magic, right? And fortunately, our instruments come with this endless amount of repertoire to prove that there is always something else to strive for. 
And in a traditional path of study, you know, every once in a while, we do get that perspective to look back and see how far we've come. And those are great days. But don't we also know all too well how many days we spend kind of beating ourselves up over the fact that we aren't quite capable of X or haven't been able to master Y (laughs) or questioning whether we will ever be able to do Z? Hear me, there are some really terrific character traits that come from playing the long game of music study. Anyone who has studied benefits of music can tell you that it's a great way of showing students the beauty of investing in a long-term skill. After all, most of us say our obsession with instant gratification is one of the biggest contributing factors to the downfall of modern society, right? (laughs) I am all for a growth mindset. You know, that idea that students need to learn the power of the word yet. You know, learning to say, I can't do it yet. And I don't understand it yet. The mastery of a musical instrument, as you know, is pretty dependent on the thought that students become so enthralled with their noted improvements that they can continue to care about artistry on deeper and deeper levels. We all know the pains of trying to convince teenagers that detailed phrasing matters, (laughs) that that extra level of listening matters. That music theory matters. (laughs) And sometimes in those cases, we're successful and sometimes we're not. Either way, this is the system most of us grew up in. You know, learn a concept, play a piece. Learn a new concept, play a new piece. (laughs) Repeat that process until you find yourself in an endless cycle of learning new pieces Um, Now learning which concept to apply when. Seek out bigger repertoire, and then bigger, and then bigger, until, well, infinity? (laughs) If you catch a hint of sarcasm in my voice, it's because I feel like busting out a line from some cliche infomercial. You know, there has to be a better way. (laughs) Please, friends, don't get me wrong. I love this system. (laughs) I love what my musical training has taught me about consistent work and self-expression and the importance of investing in myself and my abilities. But do you know what I am absolutely lousy at? (laughs) Taking time to acknowledge what I'm actually good at, like right now in this moment. If you had to ask me what I hope to accomplish in the future... I can tell you all kinds of goals that I have. I can list my technical shortcomings at the drop of a hat. But do I also readily confess or even acknowledge to myself the things that I'm actually really great at and really successful with right now? Nope. I am much more likely to concentrate on things that I'm just not quite ready for in the moment. And of course, that's me, but I am very committed to making sure that I am not sentencing my students to this same fate. 
And so today I'm asking you this, what do you do to help your students celebrate what they can do right now? I want you to think for a moment about one of your students. Just go with the first name that enters your mind. Do you think this student recognizes what their studies have allowed them to do at this point in their study, right now, in this moment? Do they recognize the extent of their abilities right this second? Or do you think you are mostly feeding a narrative of, wait until you can do X, and then you'll really be able to do Z, I get it. It's so hard. (laughs) Most teachers will readily admit that true mastery of an instrument comes with a lifetime of effort. Many of us even help filter potential students by making sure that we express the importance of entering into lessons with a commitment to studying the instrument long term. Yet, at the same time, I don't think any of us are exactly saying, hey, students, sign up with me and I will teach you how to play this instrument. Then, the better you get at it, I'll show you new ways to obsess over smaller and smaller details until you completely lose sight over what you can actually do. It's going to be the best. (laughs) I crack myself up. But, point made. (laughs) Okay, so what do we do? It's an ongoing pursuit of mine, and I certainly don't have all of the answers, but I wanted to share a few ideas with you today. First up, independent study pieces. Once I have a student reach that, I don't know, like late elementary level, I always make sure that they have a book in their stack that is notably easier for them as in basically sight-readable. This is often a method book or sometimes a repertoire collection like Masterwork Classics, but they are generally tasked with learning a piece from that book on their own as part of their weekly assignment. So, of course, as with all lesson planning goals, we don't necessarily keep those assignments in the mix 100% of the time, but it's a pretty regular thing. I think it is so important for our students to see themselves successfully putting repertoire together on their own. So, you know, the week after I give one of these independent study pieces, I will ask the student if they're ready to play it. If they say no, I just give it another week. No more discussion. You know, the point is not to let them sit there and sight play it stumble through it, and then feel awkward about it, because that is the opposite of what I'm going for here, right? (laughs) So when they return the second week and tell me it's ready, I'll hear it one time. And then no matter what, we celebrate. (laughs) I point out as many positives as I can. This is not the time where I do a huge deep dive into any particular concepts or corrections that need made, You know, if there's anything like glaringly obvious that has to be addressed, I'll certainly bring it up and then make myself a note to assign more repertoire with that one skill. But the sole purpose of these independent study pieces is to empower our students to be learning pieces on their own. 
Bonus is they learn more pieces, which is great. Secondly, let's talk about improvisation. (laughs) I know more and more of us have gotten on the improv bandwagon the last several years. And if you're not there yet, we want to welcome you aboard. (laughs) I will be the first to admit that improvising made me nervous well into my early adult years. But here's the thing. Allowing your students to explore their own sounds within given parameters is the number one way that you can help them actually learn how music works on their instrument rather than what we do more of the time, which is actually just teaching them how to play repertoire on their instrument. There are so many simple patterns, just using black keys or parts of the blues scale or all sorts of other things that you can use to help your students find some incredibly impressive sounds at their instrument at any level of study. Of course, here in piano teacher land, the late Forrest Kinney is king. (laughs) If you aren't familiar with his pattern play and chord play series, I would throw the first of each of those series into your online shopping cart at the next available second. Third, let's talk about what I call the I can play list. (laughs) I know many teachers whose students are responsible for keeping a list of pieces that they can actively play at the drop of a hat. I always feel sad when a student is offered an unexpected chance to play somewhere and their response is, I can't because I don't have my book. (laughs) I try to make sure that my students have at least three pieces that they can sit and play upon request at any given time. Now, for the record, you can't just have the students learn a piece, put it on their list, and then expect them to know it forever. It doesn't work that way for us either, right? (laughs) So as the teacher, you have to follow up on this. So periodically throughout the year, I will greet a student and then immediately tell them to play me something from that list. We always take a second to laugh about how unexpected it feels, how sneaky I am. But then I remind them that that's the point because I want them to always be ready to play. Pro tip, this is also a great, easy way to fill a couple of extra lesson minutes if things happen to wrap up a little early. (laughs) Food for thought. So those are just three ideas, but I hope at least one of them sparked a motivation in you to help your students, and yourselves for that matter, to really own your current abilities at your instrument. In general, just to summarize, don't miss opportunities to have informal conversations about how far your students have come this year, this month, whatever. And when you do that, be specific. Note their improved reading skills, their mastery of more advanced rhythms, their growing musicality. You get the idea. Have these conversations early and often. (laughs) Don't forget the power of a written progress report. I mean, we talked about that in episode 14. But really, just remember that there are times throughout the year where it is perfectly okay 
to let students play multiple pieces in a row that are relatively easy for them. Of course, we definitely want to continue pursuing bigger goals, but no harm is going to come from letting students play pieces in a style they love just because they love them, right? Music for the sake of music is a beautiful thing. Let's leave it at that for today, my friends. Humor me by letting me send you off with a little toast. (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world, (laughs) by helping bring music into the lives of your students, you are serving humanity in a huge way. We know now more than ever how important music is to help soothe and express the contents of our souls. May we stay ever aware of the important role we are serving, not just to teach specific repertoire, but to empower students to make music and make it for a lifetime. I raise my glass to you, my friends. Hear, hear. Thanks for listening to episode number 23. I hope it has inspired you as you continue to serve the developing musicians in your studio. Be sure to look me up on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there at Beyond Measure Podcast. You know, you can probably tell this, but it's true. I love making new online teacher friends. So I hope you'll join me there soon. I hope you are poised to have the most terrific week, my friends, until we chat again.